0: Welcome, everyone, to the Hilliard Beacon Audio Companion for Thursday, May 18th. I am Jordan Smith, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Tim Hoffman. hey And Kevin Corvo. Hello. Welcome in this week, guys. How are you today? Oh, man, what a day. Oh. Everybody everybody <laughs> took took stock of the moment there for a second. Oh, 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 what a day. Tim, tell me what your day's been like so far. Well,
1: you know, school bus mode first, and then I was in the roastery with uh, the Elder Clint, uh, bagging coffee, getting ready. I got three markets on Saturday. We got Grove City Farm Market, second week of that, first week of Uptown Westerville, and then I'll have Jason Cox running that for me, and then I'll be here at the Agora.
0: We've got our home grown uh, Agora. Our own dang market. Which is, which is the market of choice uh, for all uh, discerning individuals. Indeed. And that is, reminder, this weekend, Saturday, <coughs> 11 to 5, uh, weather permitting, reschedule the following day. If not.
1: <laughs> I also talking with Matt and Jody today, they came by for the Flyers. Great. Um, also made, there was also talk of a possible rain delay. Oh. Of pushing it back uh, two hours, hour so. uh, two hours rather okay. than shifting the day.
0: Yeah, a lot of guys. You know, that's the thing with these markets and the variety of vendors that we have here. People put a lot of prep production into these too. They're not just purely durable. A lot of them are cookies or cupcakes or what have you, and every day counts in shelf lives. So yeah, Matt and Jody concerned and doing a good job of kind of seeing where the needs are in the vendor group and making adjustments to the scheduling plan. So that's the cool thing with working with people who have been in these situations a little bit before. There's a dynamism there. There's a confidence to make some decisions around scheduling and organizationally that uh, they know how to best look after their charges. And by that, I mean their vendors. Right. So that takes some of the heat off of us and the pressure off of us to make decisions that we don't have uh, an experience base for. But yeah, that's that sounds like the typical uh, summer worth of full activity kind of gearing up and organizing for you, Tim. Yep. Um, and Kevin, how about you? You were in school today. What was going on?
2: <clears throat> I was a substitute teacher. So in between my work here at the Beacon and some other freelance gigs I'm doing, um, I'm in a place I never would have considered but I enjoy it I'm having a I'm having a good time I enjoy the substitute teaching that's great Uh, I'm in Hilliard schools up Arlington schools Dublin and uh, I'll be in Grandview for the first time uh, next week so those are the four districts I picked and Mm -hmm. uh, much like uh, when I was a full-time reporter um, things were kind of different every day I mean there was going to city council meetings and uh, you know going to do some of the same things but but still something different every day and it got me out um, into the community, and because I don't think I would do well with an 8-to-5 job in a cubicle or behind a desk. Yeah, isolated so, like that. I, I really am enjoying the dynamic difference uh, that, that happens um, every day as I go to I mean, different schools. I've been back to some of the same schools, um, uh, but different grade levels, different subjects. Um, so. so that was my day today, and then I'm here doing this podcast, and... Um, I equally enjoy that, uh, so thank you for the opportunity to continue uh, working in the city I've called home my whole life, Yeah, so, um, I enjoy
0: that. Yeah, as part of that, we had our uh, first article of the week coming out uh, regarding <clears throat> a now very well-established element <clears throat> of the Hilliard landscape, and it was funny, I was sitting there racking my brain trying to think of ways to... Uh, deliver a headline about this that would be attention grabbing and it's they've just become so ubiquitous that uh, people just need to know where not to go <laughs> for right. these for these eight weeks uh, that this roundabout will be getting set up constructed and then they'll just join the network of other things that have changed the traffic flow and pattern around Hilliard. in hindsight looking at when the roundabout construction started, we've all been here. For both eras Mm -hmm. Uh, What would you guys say Are your immediate takeaways I think, you know, just speaking generally I can talk about Britain Parkways Dynamics, I can talk about uh, The Cemetery Road And Main Street uh, Dynamics of those roundabouts Mm -hmm. The ones that I'm less familiar with Are more on the north side of town Where they're kind of being put in now The Cosgrave and Leopards and, and things of that nature So, what do you guys think in hindsight, on where we are and where we've come from,
1: with the circles, and I grew up with traffic circles. I grew up in Southern New Jersey, and so they call them rotary circles, the East Coast? roundabouts. No, they call them a. Tra- it's called a circle.
2: So, <laughs> when you have a much wider circle with mm-hmm. four, with more than one lane entering into that circle. Mm-hmm. Is that the difference between a circle, a traffic circle and a roundabout? Like, over in Europe, they have these wider circles with multiple points of entry into the circle. And you go around the circle and pick your exit lane. Sure. Uh, they were nothing but circles. That's what I call a traffic circle.
1: Yeah, it was a traffic circle. And it was interesting because they would have tr- uh, circles at the intersections of, like, state highways. Yeah. Okay. Big ones, and those they took out and put in traffic signals like uh, 70 and 206. No, 70 and 73. The one by Olga's Diner, these all used to be. And you know, as someone learning to drive, these were very intimidating. Sure. Um, Now, once you learn to navigate those, nothing will ever frighten you again. The only time I was, as learning to dr- uh, drive in New Jersey, the only time I was ever frightened was when I was visiting Great Britain mm. and riding in a car, and you turn left into the circles there, and that is
0: terrifying. Yeah. That is
1: so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> There's everything wrong about that, and I, was, ha- I happened to be in a car with uh, an American who had been in Great Britain for uh, a while at the point. But this person was very fond of stomping on the brakes.
0: Mm. They like to get on those brake pads. Ah, It was
1: harrowing. (laughs) So, you know, these little pick-your-lane, these two-lane roundabouts in Hilliard, pretty easy. But uh, we've seen a couple examples of where they put them in and they didn't do a great... it, It was not ideal. And the double circle... Is an example, and the on other, Mainer street? yeah, the double no, circle those and Main might street. be too close together. Main yeah, street. they're too close together for yeah. sure. The other spot where they messed up was the big circle um, on Riverside and One Sixty One. Oh, the one in Dublin. In Dublin at Bridge Park. Mm. Yeah,
0: right the, there. It's very busy, and it's a ve-
1: and it's fine, and it, w- it would it would and I think they've adjusted it since. But when they put it in, they kept that bypass lane. Where if you're heading
0: south... You just stay on the one lane. You just
1: stay, you go, and you go under the bridge. Yeah. And so people would do that. And you need to have people coming regularly from all for the directions.
0: Pacing. Yeah, yeah, for the pacing. In order
1: for people to get a chance to go. That's... And so if you were if you were trying to come uh, north on, on Riverside, you would sit and sit and sit because the, the people naturally that were coming, occurring gap
0: had more speed they didn't have interrupts right the people you
1: were depending on to make a break in traffic so you could get into the circle were all taking the
0: bypass right and
1: that you can't do
0: that right you can't do that that's why they only that's why those big intersections if you got one that's all it is. you all go into the you all go into the hoedown right <laughs> and you all, you all pass we're they all adjusted pass.
2: the roundabouts on Main Street too and they, those are good improvements they made to those. Um, and, oh. the, and and when there were traffic lights you still had gridlock Sure, just, I mean, just the intersections themselves with the volume of traffic on both Cemetery and Main Street and side of Derby um, just make it different
0: sometimes different schools of thought on how to manage the flow of people Time, light timing and, and all that highly automated program of moving down say Cemetery Road with mm-hmm. all those different lights and everything yeah all its own series of drawbacks, right? Mm-hmm. You're trying to plan for things that you can't really plan for, the surginess of traffic. Plus, you know, you close one of these arterials for construction for eight weeks, mm-hmm. it's going to completely change a lot of dynamics along timed routes, timed light routes. Whereas in a roundabout, so long as all your contributing elements are there, people entering at a reasonable pace from all directions, providing gaps in traffic, From all cetera, directions is cetera, the key. Et cetera, et cetera. If
2: everyone's going through in one pattern, that's going to leave everybody out for right. a long time.
0: Right. But you know. So, you know, finding ways to have that flow self-regulate and a more fully established, fully connected network of roundabouted roadways and that's how people navigate this city, Right. tends to help with that. Right. It tends to make for a more... I guess naturally occurring order when you're putting everyone in a vehicle and you're saying, get to wherever you need to go mm-hmm. and you're not interposing timed flights as a variable, but you're instead putting everyone on the roadway and you're traveling at whatever the other travel conditions allow for. Right. And you're passing through natural obstacles, quote unquote, like right. a roundabout traffic circle, rotary, whatever you want to call them based on your region <clears> uh, or based on your total understanding of the concept or whatever. That's the difference. Right. So, And it's easy to point fingers at where
1: they don't work perfectly. Yes. But it's important to, you know, that circle on side of Darby at Walcott. Oh,
0: transformative.
1: It's totally transformative to that whole neighborhood. That used yep. to be a nightmare of traffic. And And now very rarely do I get hung up there. Very rarely. So that's an example of, wow, that really worked well. And thank God I'm not in charge of deciding where to put these things, (laughs) because I don't know, I don't know, a tenth of what I need to know to figure that out.
0: And it showed how, and you've talked to Letty Chomp before, and she's one of those people on page one or two of that Hilliard plan that's been around for decades and knows this city inside and out. Right. That plan, as I was studying it, as it was coming together for, are we going to do two roundabouts at that four-way intersection on Sayota, Darby, and Leap Road? Yeah. Are we only going to do the one at wall cut? And because of the jurisdictions and the cities and the municipalities working together on the projects, it came out that they're only doing wall cut first. But, even so, how that roundabout interacts with a four-way stop intersection mm-hmm. is different Exponentially than how that four way intersection interacted with a timed light. Right. You know, and single lanes of traffic, no turning, no, you know, pass through, all that stuff. So, uh, people, as these things have become more and more grounded in Hilliard, have kind of learned to accept them for what they are, learn to navigate them. Every once in a while, you still come up behind somebody who's a little too timid or a little too aggressive or loves to change lanes at the wrong time. Uh, And um, some of those roundabouts, say on Main Street, look like they've been through a hockey fight or two uh, with some probably pretty impressive aerial stunts if there's some public safety footage recordings of people proceeding dead center through roundabouts at 2 in the morning. Uh, I've seen many bollards taken out over the years of their uh, inception. But overall, I'd say... You should all check out the new article and posting on the Hilliard Beacon about the Cosgray Roundabout because uh, provided in there some helpful uh, illustrations and telling you where to detour and how to conceptualize your overall commute. So make sure to check out that as a resource. Kevin put that up more as one of our utility-focused pieces this week. And we hope that uh, you folks enjoy that and uh, understand the overall roundabout picture here in Hilliard a little better as a result of our conversation here today. Was if you one? live
2: on the west side of Columbus, particularly like going to Homestead Park, you're going to have to go around the closure. Um, so you'll need to go on Elliott. No, you need to go on Leopard Road uh, north to Hayden Run Definitely and then backtrack south uh, because you won't be able to get to Homestead Park um, on Cosgray from the side of Darby. Yeah. You'll have to take uh, Leopard Road. Well, oh, great news. Elliott Road. Is that the next one west that runs north?
0: Hayden Run, the detour is Elliot Road. Elliot
2: Road. Elliott Road, and Leopard Road.
0: Yeah. And that'll take you down to Sciota Darby before. <clears throat> Otherwise, you'll have to go you, through you, to Leopard. You can
2: get to the YMCA from Sciota Darby Road going north on Cosgrave, but you won't be able to go through to Homestead yeah. Park.
0: Yeah, well, like we said in the article, there's a very nice uh, photo diagram that's been provided by I'm <clears> the city, and we will uh, have that up there for you on the Hilliard Beacon Substack, which you should all subscribe to if you're not already subscribed. Then let's move along uh, briefly to uh, what's going on this summer. Let's talk a little bit about the Hilliard summer over the last several years. As part of revitalizing Old Hilliard or reorganizing Old Hilliard and trying to provide more community-based events, embracing some of the national trends, Mm. Uh, the city of Hilliard moved to legislatively create the DORA environment, which is uh, essentially an open... Open carry? Uh, yeah, <laughs> not that. <laughs> open, open, uh, open, open drink, container. Open You're container allowed to have open containers in
2: certain boundaries, which are clearly marked. And open yes.
0: carry is also okay now, isn't it? Yes, yes in yes, Ohio.
2: Yes,
1: yes, it is. So you got some for hey, each hand.
0: The inherent, <laughs> the inherent dangers and contradictions of laws and people interacting uh, in 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 the world. So yes. But in 2023, it is several years into this, and we have an entire this is summer a events calendar. Fifth
2: or sixth season for the Dora.
0: Yeah. And it is now a fully fleshed out um, series of events that runs from middle of May until middle of August. And there's uh, several to talk about. We've got the usual celebration at the station, which is kind of like the hallmark recurring element takes place on Thursdays, June 1st through August 10th. Uh, usually includes free live music from about 6.30 to 9 at the Station Park. The schedule should be
2: up there. Regonomics back this summer.
0: Got musical acts from June 1st to the 10th. Reganomics in there. Okay. Conspiracy. Fabulous Johnson Brothers. That's,
1: I'm excited to see them. I haven't seen them in like 20 years.
0: Yeah. Uh, Zach Attack. Alexis Gomez. Alan Carl. Walk of Shame. Swag. Uh, Conspiracy, New Frontier, and the Trailer Park Ninjas wrapping up the calendar on August 10th. So that's kind of the central event, and it's a great time because usually the weather's really excellent, the environment's fantastic, the company's great, and the, the station park is a centralized uh, meeting place for a lot of good good times. Right there, Cricket can, plenty of opportunity to get bubble tea, ice cream, whatever you want. It's all in there. Then you've got your usual stuff like Freedom Fest, which is the big uh, July 4th celebration on Saturdays, uh, or rather Saturday, July 1st, Roger Reynolds, big municipal park patriotic celebration. Live music, food trucks, kids' area, fireworks, parade the actual 4th, um, free ice cream throughout the summer, a couple different events, summer spray down with the Norwich Township Fire Department, safety services, Uh, Summer
1: spray-down, what is that?
0: That is happening June, July, and August, uh, one event per month, and usually for a couple hours at different elementary schools. So it's a fire hose spray-down from a Norwich Township fire truck.
1: Wow. (laughs) So if if
0: you have any small children, uh, that's definitely one to make it out to that sounds like a, a fun thing that you don't usually get to see uh, done in a casual environment. Or, yeah, if
1: you want to practice rioting and want to nah, get some reps nah. in.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you, might get a, you might get a different kind of like uh, level of open on the hose. Probably a, gen- from, a gentler, from,
1: yeah. a kinder, gentler fire
0: hosing. Yeah, they say, cool off with a fire hose spray down. Not uh, proceed down the street. Unaided uh, by your own locomotion, <laughs> as a result of Force pressure, um, let's not go there. But then we've got different, uh, different individual events from uh, <clears throat> things like Legacy Barbecue reopening or Legacy Smokehouse reopening, yes, and all sorts of fun things happening downtown in Old Hilliard and uh, Destination Hilliard, who we partner with for Agora and Samantha Brill is kind of like a community-based or not community-based it's the how should I put this it's an office where certain city initiatives get that connection to the public so uh, you can submit events to Destination Hilliard for things that you're staging in your neighborhood whether it's a block party or whatever you can coordinate through them so check Destination Hilliard Uh, As a website for other things happening throughout the community And maybe we can have Samantha in here to just talk about the overall mission Especially in the midst of this rich uh, event season And how they go about doing their business But they're a valuable partner uh, to local businesses and to the community So make sure to check them out too Uh, Destination Hilliard Well, gentlemen, we have one more pivot left in this episode And I'm going to leave it up to you. Uh, We can talk briefly about our community plan, game plan, as to how we're going to cover that and what we're going to do to cover that. Or we can talk a little bit about the Next 10 initiative in Hilliard City Schools and some of the potential enrollment figures that have come out as a result of that study and plan of attack. What do you think? Do you want to talk schools or do you want to talk uh, chamber of commerce and community plan?
1: Let's talk schools while we've still got a little window of school happening while it's still on our mind. We can get into community planning once we're into our summer break.
0: Yeah, the ideal. Great point, Tim. Great point. Mm. So, next 10 or next X, as you'll see it written out in most of the literature, is this The plan for taking Hilliard from 2020, 2022-ish, to 2032-ish. So it's a forecasting strategy, strategic vision, to talk about strengths and weaknesses of the district and how to address them and how to address (coughs) overall changes in the academic environment. And the interesting thing is I feel like nationally schools and public school feels under attack undermined and under siege in a lot of ways from interest groups, focus groups right wing activist groups school choice groups charter school um, options and initiatives that have been pitched as individual um, fund the student not the system kind of talk. I have long been a public school advocate, and I think an educated populace is one of the keys and critical to having any kind of attempt at a modernized and unified society uh, where you can agree on certain necessary improvements and necessary changes that need to happen. And I think that what I want to talk about a little bit is just the areas of focus in this Next 10 strategic vision, and overall how they relate to the last ten years okay. of strategic vision for schools. Nationally, you know, based on everybody's understandings, not everybody has a idea of this stuff, and I'll admit my ideas of this are colored a lot by the things I've read in my own personal history with that. But what tended to happen over the last fifteen to twenty years nationally is that education was dominated by this reform structure that was led Principally by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, charting the idea behind school improvement was to be tied to teacher evaluations, teacher uh, focus, so that they could try to draw in these high-level teachers. We could try to improve what was being offered in the classroom and create these things that would... Um, focus specifically on value-added teaching techniques and also the ability to measure teachers almost like you're measuring students, right? You're grading the teachers as you're grading the students. You're focusing on these rigorous evaluation standards for students as well. So the high-stakes testing environment that developed even further than that multiple decades ago but got ramped up and coordinated and tied in with these other evaluation techniques that have provided this maelstrom, in my opinion, that doesn't serve anybody. They've gone through and Especially looked... not at,
1: the kids. Yes.
0: They've gone through and looked at these value-added teaching techniques as a like a, an area of study, an evaluation of, did this work like they thought it was going to work when they put all this in place? There has been no measurable benefit to these value-added teaching techniques from the perspective of outcomes. Hmm. Like, we switched around all the ways we measure and reward teachers for the job that they do, and the output has not improved over the course of the studied time period, right?
1: And you're also dealing with... uh, Wittgenstein's ruler. Sometimes you use the table to measure the ruler... So, when you get into these uh, multi-dimensional testing paradigms, what's what's measuring what? As they said in uh, Civilization fr- uh, Phase Three from Frank Zappa, they're using a chicken to measure it. Mm. Um, once you start depending on test scores and looking at testing and changing all of our testing, and this is what happens when you get a a a, a nerd like Bill Gates putting his fingers in stuff. Hmm. He's like, oh, well, we'll use our technology and we'll use our knowledge and we'll measure and we'll make it better. Yeah. And he's he's wrong. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He doesn't know what he's doing, but he's so smart. Everybody's sure he does. And the... The studies that have countermanded or counteracted or come out as a <clears throat> rebuke of that methodology, of those ideas, are from other very smart people who are very used to measuring things with math. Right. Mean, the main study that refuted the Gates initiatives was from RAND Corporation, okay. which, I mean, if you want to know how many tons of bombs get dropped anywhere in the country, <laughs> you can go ask the RAND Corporation. Yeah. you want to know all these other things, that's the place you go. So, the evaluation of a highly systematized and mathematically tuned system by another highly systematized and mathematically tuned system has found the first system wanting. Mm. Uh, so surprise surprise yes. surprise.: Yes. And I think historically and archival uh, gripes and uh, fond remembrances of school days past often point towards things that have literally nothing to do with. Testing or lessons that were learned in ways that didn't involve picking a multiple choice answer. Right. Uh, school, as you said, is a dynamic multi tendency environment where so many things come together to make an overall picture. Right. So your child doesn't have an excess of screen time, but the child sitting next to your child has an excess of screen time. How do those things interact to produce a test score?
1: And one of these. One of the most telling things about these t- testing systems is how separate it is from the process of teaching.
2: Mm. Yeah, they
1: have their days set aside when they're taking tests, and no teaching is going on, and no one, And I tell my kids, they're not testing you; mm. they're testing the school. Flunk the test, out <laughs> and, and don't. Okay. <laughs> I shouldn't say that
0: <laughs> we're, we're getting some analysis of our individual uh, Parenting styles as well
1: Right, this is definitely uh, Venturing deep into uh, uh, Treacherous opinion uh, Opinion uh, waters mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: it's, That's why I think it's important To have these kind of And we're going to This is just an introduction This is merely an introduction As you and I have talked about And as Kevin has uh, been a part of planning Some of these things A lot of this is planned to be very ongoing coverage, and I think that that is critical to changing people's relationship to it. The worst thing that can happen to my kid, I know, is when he comes home and there's something in the online grading system that has raised mom's ire, Mm. that has made mom focus on a bad test score or something like that, and there is nothing that is getting in between mom or dad and boy uh, until that has been addressed Hmm. now for some people and some kids and some families that can be a good corrective a good way to keep things on the rails or what have you but in a lot of times in a lot of environments that kind of learning feedback that kind of structure that kind of uh, system that creates another set of eyes another set of uh, reinforcement can often backfire can often create hostility especially when sometimes things don't show up right like how many times per year has my son come home we've gotten into him about certain grades on the home access uh, Mm. system only to find out that oh it didn't get entered correctly oh it wasn't part of this evaluation that gives in as a two stage there's only one part in but it's showing up as a zero right it's it heightens a lot of uh, ugh, surgy, nervous moments for people. That, That's been my experience.
1: That seems similar to uh, logging in and, and checking all your stock prices every day.
0: Right. <clears throat> you want You know that feeling on Sunday? Uh, people who work at traditional work week, you know that feeling on Sunday, middle of the day, when you're like, shit, yeah. Monday, coming up. Here Sunday scaries, right? Yeah. Some of these automatic and, and immediate response tools... Uh, I think are fear-based and i think that my kid doesn't learn best in a fear-based environment where uh some number on some sheet of paper is going to create a a negative outcome for him so uh i think that's that's an area of concern as to how the evolution of education in hilliard has
1: gone yeah it's weird i you know i have uh I think I've only logged into the home portal once. Mm. My oldest is in seventh grade. I'm old think, school. I
2: talk to the teachers still during parent-teacher conference. Sure, yeah, right? go
0: in for the appointments. All yeah. right, I
2: do a phone call. Well, you know, I'll talk to the, I'll talk to the teachers, and it's you know,
1: every teacher uh, is at least <clears> in uh, you know in the primary grades is sending a weekly update and stuff, and so if I have questions about that, I can. Respond via email But I check in You know I am Extremely privileged yeah. To be uh, The school bus For my kids So I, yeah. You know Not a lot of people Get to do that And I, that's one of my That's yeah, some of my Favorite time Is I get time In the car With both kids um, every day,
2: I did that every year until this spring. Yeah. And, and I'm I still driving to school. I can't pick them up sometimes, depending on my yeah. schedule now.
1: And that's, you know, that's some of my favorite time of the day. But that's when I check in with my kids. I'm like, how was school? What would you do? What's easy for you? What is hard for you? And, you know, usually they'll tell me stuff. Sure,
2: that might change a little down the road. But it's we'll yeah, it's
1: all it's always <laughs> changing. But instead of trying to uh, get my fingers in and micromanage
0: things, or manage it from the perspective of, hey, I'm looking on my app and you got a four out of ten on this quiz. What's that all about? Like out of nowhere, you you your daughter gets in the car after a day at school, mm-hmm. and out of nowhere, because you've gotten a notification of a grade on this app, you turn around and hit her with that, like right as she hops in the back seat, right. Like that, to to you and I as a parent, that hits that thing in our minds that goes, "That's not the way to welcome your kid in from whatever and whatever." But right. because it's a stimulus, because it comes with a notification and a sound and a bing and mm-hmm. a and an awful portent for your child's future, yeah. it cuts to the front of the line yeah. and sometimes overrides our more uh, naturalistic impulses when dealing with our kids. I'm so
1: I, I don't get the I don't get the ding. I don't get the notifications. Mm -hmm. I don't participate in that system. I I don't think... I don't really think I'm missing anything. Yeah.
0: Good. Well, I I think that kind of tells everybody what they need to know about uh, the host's views on (laughs) (laughs) high-stakes testing and its role in raising a a wonderful child and uh, citizen of this country. But just briefly, uh, the areas of focus for this Next 10 strategic vision... There are uh, multiples, and it follows a little bit more in the the mindset of hewing away from high stakes and more towards uh, a managed overall process of ongoing engagement. So areas of focus include personalization. So that goes into IEPs and things of that nature where you're trying your best to meet every student where they are and where they've come from and hopefully uh, to put them on a path individually uh, to connect to their talents and interests. Then there's mindset, uh, cultivate healthy mental well-being, social-emotional skills that prepare students and staff to interpret and respond to situations in the world with intentional behavior and resilience. Uh, Professionalized learning, provide professional learning for the staff that is personalized, collaborative, opportunistic, global, and applicable so when you're scheduling uh workshops and things like that there's going to be a lens toward meaningful uh, engagement metrics and things like uh, of that nature more application based than perhaps uh philosophies or of education or things of that uh, ilk career education and ongoing partnerships so that includes in the community and with families and uh, then moving into curriculum provide foundational knowledge that students must acquire to be, quote, ready for tomorrow. What do you guys think about ready for tomorrow as the guiding ethos still of uh, Hilliard City Schools? It seems to be, you know, we just went through the Ohio returning to the heart of it all <laughs> moniker after who knows how many tax dollars spent on consulting corporations and what have you to uh, come up with a state motto. How do you feel about ready for tomorrow as a school vision for Hilliard? Tim. Jargon. Jargon. Speak. Speak. uh, uh, News speak. So you're saying it's uh, uh, not a meaningful designation.
1: Uh, So ready for tomorrow, I don't know. Is that talking about are we trying to predict tomorrow or are we trying to prepare for uh, the big question marks Mm. that we don't know? Uh, I got to say... I don't know. Everything that you just read off that document went right past me as 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 jargon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I, I have I have some unorthodox ideas about education. So you know, um, I, 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 I don't i don't have I don't have a lot to say about that. Ready for tomorrow? I feel like that is it's my job to get my kids ready for tomorrow. I'm well, certainly not farming that out to uh, you know a school district. And uh, hey, we live in Hill- in Hilliard because uh, we're comfortable uh, sending our our kids to these schools. We live here on purpose. That's why we moved here. So um, uh, you know, I I I take any all of that stuff I take with a grain of salt, and I trust that. Um, because of the nature of this district that it's attracting good teachers and good administrators who are going to you know i f- i feel like for a teacher or an administrator in a in a large uh you know bureaucratized school system you know your life probably resembles office space in more ways uh than i would like it to um you know i want to i want to trust Uh, I want to trust my kids' education to the teachers that are in uh, in the room with them. And I feel like uh, a lot of fine-tuning from um, administrators and and bureaucrats is probably counterproductive. And there are probably numbers to prove me wrong, but we're also uh, also familiar with my views on friggin' numbers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the principal rebukes of that Rand Corporation study is simply that there's a sense that everything has moved up a level mm-hmm. so as you discuss bureaucratization and those kind of things admit the value and usage deployment of administration mm-hmm. as a guiding structure for how school gets done has become more and more and more and more entrenched with diminishing returns from the perspective of oh Given all the other changes that have happened in education, at the end point of increased administration, increased testing, high stakes, increased value-added job evaluations, the output at the end of all that is uh, not where the nation wants it, or any local municipality wants it, really. And
1: and Jordan, I think that is one of the things that is driving the whole school choice movement, is that people want... You know there are a number of people who want an alternative to that, where it's more and more administrators calling the shots for their kids, uh, and their eyes are on the numbers, not on the kids. And so that I think is one of the criticisms that is uh, that is driving that movement in this country right now. Sure, I, I, there are obviously other things going on too, but I think that is definitely part of it,
0: and definitely, definitely I agree with that a hundred percent because there's, as you said, all sorts of other tendencies that get rolled into that assessment. Mm -hmm. So if your kid has been ill served or bullied or something by a system, uh, a nebulous areas of focus document is not going to help you with those concerns. It's not going to make you feel as though the public education system is prioritizing the immediate needs of your kid, which is going to drive anxiety, fear and reaction to whatever's out there on offer. And a lot of times what's out there on offer is infinitely worse than your public school, but it is on offer and Mm -hmm. it it can be made to seem or appear to or in many cases actually address uh, the concerns that parents or somebody has and they're going to make a decision based on that. I should hasten to add in this uh, little next uh, 10 vision PDF that I'm talking about the different areas of focus from there's multiple goals and stream breakdowns of each of these little areas of focus we'll uh, put out a piece that links to this and lets you see but let's say okay for one of those areas of focus you describe evidence create utilize and monitor appropriate measurable objectives demonstrate individual progress through each student's journey to be ready for tomorrow okay so Evaluate their testing results and their course results and their uh, feedback from their teachers and all those things. Right, but it breaks down into multiple different paragraphs of information.
1: Sure, but we're you know is is one of those paragraphs talking about is our rubric for judging these test scores? an actual way, how do they arrive at the idea that that is actually preparing them for the future
0: Right. so one of the points that they discuss is develop an individualized student profile that defines what it means to be successful at benchmark levels in academics, mindsets, and interests, okay so look at the student, see how they're doing see if they're progressing uh, appropriately through their course of instruction or whatever but to evaluate that what does that actually mean
1: yeah and what does tomorrow mean
0: (laughs) sure yeah did anybody anticipate a uh, global supply chain breakdown as a result of a global pandemic as a result of mismanagement of said global pandemic i wasn't ready for that tomorrow very few people (laughs) were right but meaningfully and as you mentioned earlier and as kevin has said one of the main reasons we're all here Excuse me, is because of the school system. Mm -hmm. When I was making a choice to live in Hilliard, the schools were a big chunk of that decision-making matrix because of when I was making the choice to live here. Right. As uh, the composition of the people that live here changes, the expectations around those schools may change as Mm -hmm. well. The last point I wanted to turn to before we wrap up for today is just within uh, some of those... uh, Reporting that has come out and some of the focus that we've been developing as part of this Next 10 uh, plan, they've been looking at potential enrollment over those next 10 years. So they're evaluating from 2013 through 2023. They're using that historic enrollment uh, to then project forward into the future, the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. So 2023 to 2030, uh, two, I think is the last year listed here on this do- no, 2020, 32th and 33 school year. Again, I forget because school years, they always have uh, multiple years right. listed. But, go ahead. You got something? No, I was just okay. saying, yeah, the school
1: year straddles the odometer flip. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was like we were talking about before we came in, the school year calendar's different than everybody else. But, Historically, we've been sitting at right around 15 to 16,000 students for a while, uh, for a very long time. So if you look back from uh, blah, 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 Hilliard City Schools, historical enrollment district-wide has been just north of 16,000 or just south of 16,000 since 2013-2014 and continues to this day. So, it goes like this along a slightly undulating path, and despite all the growth in Hilliard, despite all the massive changes in Hilliard, that student population has stayed relatively flat. So, they have three different projected enrollments, low, moderate, and high, uh, for the next 10 years, arcing out to 2033, and for the low projection, they're projecting some kind of downturn where we could lose up to uh, several thousand students, down to thirteen thousand, for the moderate projection, which essentially <clears throat> forecasts just the same flat uh, student enrollment, fifteen six, and then on the high side of things, eighteen five. So, despite all the growth, building, and everything else that's gone on, the enrollment has remained relatively flat. That points to a lot of things. It points in a lot of different directions. And like uh, the school system struggled to employ a lot of different evaluative techniques, we have to determine what that means for our municipality. So how people are going to feel in 2033 about school levies or things of that nature, uh, given flat enrollment or given growing enrollment, that might be different. But that's why uh, we decided to get into this line of work mm-hmm. of looking at Hilliard and looking closely at Hilliard with a reporter and resident in the city and and bringing in other people that want to look at things from that <laughs> perspective. So, you know, low end thirteen thousand students, high end eighteen thousand, moderate right in the middle fifteen five, which is basically where we've been for the last ten years. So, what does that tell you about Hilliard as a whole? What are we doing? Where are we going? It's going to be fun to find out. Sure, sure will. Well, gentlemen, I don't have much more for today, and uh, I think we all have things that we can be getting on to do. Kevin, Um, you've had a full day of teaching?
2: Well, I'm a substitute teacher, so it's not teaching per se. Executing lesson plans depends on which building level I'm in. Um,
0: Don't don't diminish your contributions to our (laughs) children's education. (laughs) <laughs> there have to be brave individuals that are willing to step into the void in any classroom on any day to make sure that our kids move forward. I,
2: I will say more and more responsibilities being placed on the shoulder of uh, teachers, I think, than, than maybe should be because parents might not always be, uh, as I think you tried to point out, um, it, it all starts with good uh, parenting.
0: Sure. I mean, there's sure. mo- there's so many tendencies that go into, and dynamics that go into any kind of child-rearing situation. That start long before they hit that school door and don't end uh, when they walk out. It's true. And uh, the professionals that we ask to educate our kids deserve our support and deserve our engagement. And that's what we're going to give them. And that's that's the best thing that we can do as a group of people trying to all reach a, a similar outcome Is. uh good kids that are ready to go into the world and make their mark and help uh, help make the world a better place. That's my hope, anyway. Indeed. But, thank you again, guys. Tim, Kevin, another great week in Hilliard. Uh, look forward to seeing all of uh, you folks out there at the Agora this weekend and into the summer, scal- uh, schedule. summer schedule, summer calendar, schedule, calendar of events. So, thank you again and have a great week. From the Hilliard Beacon. goodbye.